Welcome to our fifth and final episode of the Yorkshire Dance Presents podcast, Dance and Dementia. So we wanted to add in this bonus episode um, to reflect on the Immature Company project so far, discuss why dementia care mapping is a good tool for evaluating projects for people living with dementia, address the current COVID-19 pandemic's impact on this type of work, and look ahead to the future of this project or to the future of a similar arts project. We're really lucky today to be joined by Lisa Fern from Time to Shine. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lily. Hi, Lauren. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa, and I've been fortunate to have been involved in Time to Shine since July 2015. I'm the Monitoring and Value Officer for the programme. For those who don't know, Time to Shine works with partner organisations across Leeds to deliver unique and creative projects that engage socially isolated people. We're led by Leeds Older People's Forum and we're funded by the National Lottery Community Fund's Ageing Better programme. Time to Shine takes a test and learn approach to try and reduce social isolation and improve the lives of people aged 50 and over. And I think throughout this podcast, we'll touch more on the test and learn approach and the partnership approach that we take within Time to Shine. I've really enjoyed working with the team at Time to Shine and with a huge variety of delivery partners that we've commissioned over the years. It's been brilliant to have partnered with Yorkshire Dance really since 2015, um, first with the Younger Arts Project and now with the Immature Company Project. I've been really fascinated by the dementia care mapping process uh, that Immature Company uses, as this was something I'd never really heard of before, so I'm really pleased to have been invited to take part in this fifth and final podcast. Today we're mixing up a little bit. Lisa's going to do some of the asking of the questions to me and Lauren. Um, So we finally get our chance to be a guest, which is very exciting. Um, But also we'll just be having a conversation about about what the future looks like and the future of this project. And we're really lucky to have um, Lisa join us today. So thanks, Lisa. And I guess take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So firstly, we're really interested in finding out how dementia care mapping has worked in helping you understand the work in care homes and the impact that your um, your work has. Mm. Yeah, I think we've talked about this quite a bit recently, haven't we, Lily, in terms of that we think going into a care home and looking around the room, you can make an assumption about how people are feeling and what's going on. But dementia care mapping as an evaluation tool is so kind of kind of you look in so much at very small details and can kind of capture really small moments that are happening so someone for example sitting in their chair might be tapping their hand on the the arm of their chair along to music and looking around a room you might not pick up that but when you're mapping and you're watching someone so carefully you pick that up and that becomes quite an important piece of data in kind of measuring whether they're having a good time and how their well-being is. So it's kind of, yeah, it's really interesting to be able to find those smaller details, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think also just dementia mapping as a tool is, is obviously something that works really well in like accessing how care is delivered and the quality of care. And I feel I feel we're quite lucky in the sense that we get to use it in this new way and see those moments that Lauren spoke about. And that feels like a really special kind of insight into how we're working, how the arts projects are working, and then just how that sits within the wider world of 
care generally and I think that's quite an exciting place for us to be in and yeah it just feels like we're on the edge of like discovering some really exciting pieces of learning that we can sort of share widely and can hopefully help understand how we work in care homes in a creative way in the future too so what does it feel like when you do the dementia care mapping I've always been quite interested in that element of it I mean it's amazing we both love it um I think it can be quite hard I think you quite often feel like you're a bit helpless because we are there to to map these residents and to kind of we try and sit on the outside of the circle so we're not too involved in the session because we are there as kind of yeah evaluators just kind of watching from the outside so when things are happening you see someone in distress and you're sitting and you're watching and writing about them it feels a bit strange and it can feel like a little bit uncomfortable and difficult and you feel like you know you want to do something about it and obviously you know if it was a serious issue we would do something about it and stop what we were doing but yeah I think I found that quite hard at times. I think as well just as a tool it it, it is it's quite in some ways it's it's it is quite an unnatural thing to just sit and watch people like it's something that I think I really enjoy just in life like people watching as a like you know a joy in a cafe on a on like a Saturday but you know this is a totally different skill set I think that we have to bring is we're looking at how how are like humans engaging with each other and what's happening in the space and like it really does require like a totally different approach and then also to try and like decode things as they're happening and go what does that mean for that person and what does that mean that they're experiencing and then how can we then turn that into some learning and obviously like the personal experience is the most important thing so that's always going to override everything else but it does it does just mean that we're constantly like is that like what does that mean how are they feeling are they having a good time are they are they having a difficult time how can we improve that so it's that constant like oh my gosh, how are we going to write about that? That was an, a moment in time that was just never been seen before. So yeah, it requires a lot of that on the spot thinking, I think. I think what's really, it kind of sounds really strange, but you feel like you get to know the residents quite a lot, even though you might not have had actually that much one-to-one interaction, but just from observing them, you kind of know what's normal for them. So I'm just trying to think of a moment from from last year, uh, early 2020, I think, for the project. And Lily, it was when one of the residents had picked up an instrument for, I think, the first time during, you know, it was kind of 16 weeks into the project or something. And Lily, you were so, like, invested in what was happening. You, you jumped up from your chair with excitement, didn't you? Because <laughs> you were just so excited about what happened. You know, we just like, oh, my gosh, I've been watching this person. I know that they, like, the struggle that they've been having to accessing what we're doing and it was just like this moment of pure joy of like oh my gosh this person has never even interacted with an instrument and yeah I was just like up on my feet like trying to see every moment trying to make sure that like she was being like supported and that everything that was happening was just like in the best possible way so yeah we get we get quite invested and very excited when things like that happen <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant so can we talk about the the research being it's objective um it's, it's quite quantitative the data that you collect isn't it yeah it definitely is there's a lot of kind of different codes that we write down and we kind of produce lots of um figures at the end and graphs and that kind of thing i think the qualitative data is probably more important than we initially 
thought I don't know what you think Lily but I think in our first year of the project we were very much I think you know we were new mappers we were very much focused on getting the codes right and and that probably didn't give us much kind of supporting information and, and content as we actually needed to so then looking back and trying to evaluate at the end of the year we were like oh but what was actually happening then we didn't have enough stuff written down so I think in year two we tried to make sure we really got that kind of more kind of content yeah more content kind of broader description of what was actually happening yeah totally and I think that it's really hard to know when when we would because obviously we trained to be dementia care mappers for this project and so we did a quite you know we did test runs and we trialed it out before we actually were doing the actual project but it's so hard to know how you're going to feel retrospectively looking back at that data six months on which were what we were doing and we realized that yeah like the narrative just didn't feel like as strong as the the quantitative like facts and figures that we had and I think we initially set out thinking that that was going to be the most interesting and most important and it absolutely is really important but the the narrative that sits alongside those figures just tells us a whole different story about what we were seeing. And it was just, yeah, I think we were constantly learning, going, okay, we might have this well-being score, but what is what is that what is the well-being? Like what are we actually seeing? And it's just that constant like, okay, we need to write that down and make sure we're recording it in a, you know, in a, an authentic way that also reflects what we're, what the coding is and what the, the data is telling us as well at the same time. So, it, yeah, it's, it's a fine balance, I think. <laughs> you both touched on the changes that you've made as, you know, year one compared to year two, using the evidence and the learning that you've had. Has that been a, a feature of the dementia care mapping work, this kind of learning and then adapting the way that you work or the way that the project itself works? Yeah, I think that is how we've just been working through, throughout this project. I think we had we hadn't quite. Un, I think we we knew we'd been into a, a, a kind of an arts project in a care home and had a go at dementia care mapping. So we sort of knew, I guess, what to expect, but we didn't quite understand, I think, what that was going to be like going in on such a regular basis following people kind of on a journey and learning about the importance of that journey I think at first we were just mapping people sporadically we were going into the sessions and going we're going to map this person today and then the next time we were in we'd map someone different and we were we were looking back and going or they were getting these moments of like this this tells a story of what that person was feeling in that session on that day it was such a standalone moment that I think the learning that we had from year one, especially from year two, was huge. You know, we changed how we were going into the sessions. We changed how we mapped, how often we mapped and um, how like the, the people we chose to map the same people. And so like those moments of learning were just like they were huge from year one to year two. And we were we were I guess the project enabled us to be able to go that didn't work. So can we can we make this change? And obviously with the support from, from, from AD and Hannah, and I guess also at Time to Shine and that test and learn approach allowed us to go, we tried this, it didn't work. Can we try it this way? Or we didn't get this bit of data when we really, we really want to invest a bit more time into figuring out that. So can we go and can we learn more about that? So mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely a, okay, we've done that. Let's change it up, try this, see what we'll learn this time. Yeah, and we did mention in episode three of the series when we spoke to our mentor Eliza um, we did chat about measuring touch because this project is all about measuring the impact of touch and in dementia care mapping there is no code for touch 
And I think in year one, we maybe just kind of didn't really think much of that. I didn't really read too much into it and then kind of found that it was problematic when we were then trying to measure how, how much touch took place and what kind of touch that was. So in year two, we started to say this was expressive with touch. This was articulation with touch and make sure we wrote that down and, and could then evaluate it. And um, the University of Bradford, who developed the Dementia Care Mapping course, are actually looking into putting touch as a code in Dementia Care Mapping because we found that you know it needs to be there because it's so important. So that's really nice that that's a learning, a learning thing for us, but also a learning thing for Dementia Care Mapping as a whole as well, which is really nice. Yeah, that's an element that I remember quite clearly from your application um, for funding way back in 2018, I think it was, 2017. You wanted to explore the the impact of platonic touch, friendship, rather than functional touch uh, within care homes. And that was something, as we were reading the applications, was quite unusual and quite unique and a really interesting way of looking at, um, at the work that goes on within care homes. It's um, it's really wonderful for us to see through the Time to Shine program that from that initial application where you, you wanted to explore it, it's it's been shaped over the years and now has you know you've registered the impact that that, that has had, but also affected the way that dementia care mapping codes uh, will be used in the future. That's quite an amazing um, success, really. Yeah, and I think going into the third and final year of the project. Touch is going to look a lot different, obviously, you know, during slash post a pandemic when people aren't allowed to touch people in care homes. I think it's going to be another very different year and a lot of more learning coming our way, I think. <laughs> so you mentioned COVID there. How, how do you see that the landscape has changed due to the pandemic for the, for the residents you work with in care homes? or the care home staff? I think it's going to be, I mean, because unfortunately we haven't allowed, been allowed to go in. I think what we know now is all, is all about what we're hearing, I guess, I guess from, from care staff, from um, families that we know that have kind of had these, you know, a year of not seeing their family as well. Um, So I think what we anticipate is that we, you know, to go in, it, it's going to be a very long and slow process to get back to, you know, being able to be in a space with more than, you know, four or five people is going to be a whole, you know, a whole different thing. And um, there's going to be people who've spent a lot of time potentially in isolation, potentially haven't been engaging in things like this. And so I guess we're just going to have to be aware of what what are we going in to do and what's the what's the purpose of the sessions now and you know is it about actually just re-socializing people and bringing them back in a communal space under a under a creative um pretense I guess and not just about spending time together it's about how can we you know how can we be creative in a space and connect in, in a different way and I think as Lauren was just speaking about and you know in touch we don't know what that's going to be like. We don't know if we're going to be allowed to touch, whether we're going to be able to do all of the things that we usually do, which is very much about hand-holding and using touch to communicate and using touch to provide comfort and warmth. We're not sure if we're going to be allowed to do that. So it's about how can we find new ways to engage with people um, who might be non-verbal, who might not necessarily understand verbal communication, but then also how do we get them to 
to meet us at the same point that we're at and to say, you know, we're here just to be together today. And that comes so much through touch in the sessions. It's so it's going to be a really interesting year for us, especially as Dementia Care Mathers, about how the artists adapt their practice to suit that and what that then means for well-being and what that and how that impacts a resident on an individual level and then also as a group and a collective as a whole how that might change the feeling of the space and that will be you know it, it might not change but it also might might be different we just don't know so it's a, I think it's a really interesting and quite an exciting time for us to go in and actually maybe just really compare the measure of touch you know we've gone from two years where touch was just it was embedded throughout to potentially no touch and whether that tells us a story about touch again in a totally different way as well. So Mm. yeah, there's lots of exciting and also quite interesting things that could happen over the next year that I think we're all keen to just figure out. (laughs) I think for the artists as well, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, they have to be flexible all the time and they have to change what they're doing and adapt to different people but I think going into a new care home for a 20-week period what is happening what they can do in in week one could be very different to what they can do in week 20 because you know it's four or five months different and so much is changing so I think for them it will be really interesting kind of process to see what they how can they can actually deliver the sessions. Do you think that well-being will be compromised then if, if physical contact is discouraged it's a really hard question because in some ways physical contact is it's just so important and we all need it in our daily lives and I think we all over this last year have felt the lack of being able to hug our friends and family and like just mm-hmm. the impact that has on us yet we can still get touch within our households if you know and with people that are in our support bubbles and actually some of these people haven't even had that so I think we know that you know physical touch is definitely impacted well-being to what level I think is going to be the real test for us to 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 try and decipher what yeah what what the well-being would have been if we were touching people and if we were hugging and holding hands and getting them to you know be close to each other I think will be a real a real yeah challenge for me and Lauren to figure out how that might work Uh, and I think it will vary for different residents as well we've seen in the last two years that some people don't need as much touch because they're very engaged. They really enjoy kind of the, the more verbal communication and their well-being levels are high. Whereas there are some people where that touch really is really needed for them to increase their well-being. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they could just be sat staring into space. So yeah. I think it'll, yeah, I think it'll be very person dependent as well. Yeah, and I guess our findings from year two kind of re-emphasise what Lawrence just said mm-hmm. from, you know, we noticed that actually touch was being used less with people who had really high levels of well-being. So actually those people who already can can enter the space and don't quite need as much support to get to those high levels of well-being might actually just come in and feel great and still enjoy the session in whatever form it's in. But it's the people that that use that we use touch as a way to engage who would come into the space in a lower mood who touch had that huge impact on is how is is I think they're the people that that might be difficult to figure out how are we going to get them back to that level of engagement without using physical touch um 
and I think those what people their well-being will be the it will be the ones that I guess will be super interesting mm-hmm. to see where they're mm-hmm. at and where they come into the space and then how they leave the space um and whether we can use care staff to do that might be a really interesting approach for us as well of can the care staff do that closeness and can that build that bond in that way and can we facilitate that to happen in a totally different way than we ever did before as well so there's definitely some like really interesting pieces of learning that I think will come out of either being able to touch or the lack of being able to touch and be close to to the residents too. From from the the examples that you're giving and the the kind of the picture that I'm building up of the sessions there's quite a, a diverse mix of abilities and um, experiences I think within a a group is that fair to say definitely yeah I mean some the, one of the care homes we went into in the second year of the project actually had some kind of apartments so they were kind of almost like sheltered housing type thing weren't they um and they you know those people were almost like volunteers coming into the space because they was like they were they didn't live there so they were coming and almost felt like they were visiting and they support help support all the other residents so well and I mean yeah the, the difference between them and some of the less engaged people was quite fast. Yeah I think the, there's uh, generally as well with care homes I think there's such diverse faces and people come and I think we've we just being there we've learned that you know some people have lived in that area their whole life some people have moved to that area because their family live close to there and they actually don't know anything about the, that care home or where it's based and so everyone's coming from such different and vast life experience from different um levels of um kind of accessibility and and how they communicate and I guess they're, they're all put in a space that I guess the care homes have obviously thought about how people can live together and who who works and who who will become friends and who gets on and who could be social but there is also those elements of everyone's got such different experience and different levels of access and and I guess different through points and ways into the sessions as well so it's a credit to the artist to even be able to engage such a diverse range of people um and so yeah I think the picture of the care homes is is a is a really wide one but it it allows us to just do so much um and, and engage in such different ways and different approaches just in one session which we, we wouldn't really get that I think outside of a care home setting there's usually quite a similar vibe with groups I think usually and especially in dance as well you probably you come as a beginner or as an intermediate or as you know an expert and, and you know you're all coming with some sort of experience and the care home just kind of eliminates all of that it's just people it's just humans who need care to be in one place mm. and I think that's really interesting for artists to go in and explore how that works so what, what do you think is the value of projects like immature company in a post-covid world world what what are the benefits I think it would be a, a nice welcome to probably what has been quite a difficult year um for care homes I mean we've we've all read and heard about what's been going on in care homes over the last year and it's just it's heartbreaking and I think being able to offer some sort of um moments of joy that are completely you know that we're designing we're spending time thinking about and that actually the care staff can just come in and enjoy them as well um will hopefully provide a bit of that I guess just that moment of we don't have to do anything we don't have to be anywhere except just be together in this experience 
And I think there's just something really beautiful and something that we've probably all learned over the last year about just being together and being still and that's always just enough. And I think this project will be able to facilitate those feelings and hopefully, you know, the artists are incredible at just taking it slow and steady and getting to know people. And I think this project will provide that in a whole different light and also allow people to have a bit of fun and play around, play, make some music, maybe move their bodies a little bit, which is obviously we all need to move our bodies after just being <laughs> at home for so long. Um, so, yeah, there's probably there's loads of, I think, benefits. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how residents take on this new this experience because we're going to be working with some new care homes as well so that for us is like not only we're working with new people but it's new care homes it's new experiences and we're in this whole new world (laughs) so actually it's all going to be quite different I think I think it just as important as um kind of providing that for the residents as well as providing that for the care staff just giving them some respite because they I mean there's some amazing activities coordinators out there and I'm sure they've been trying to do loads of different stuff to try and entertain the residents but they they can't on their own because there's usually just one or the, one of them really in a care home they can't have managed to you know do something every day afternoon morning and for them I think just having someone different come in and be able to do something different will be amazing for them I hope. You touched on frontline staff there, Lauren, and I think that changes our experience within the Time to Shine programme that throughout this whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic, frontline staff have been just firefighting. They've been working so hard to kind of make sure that um, the people that they support have access to food, to medication, to social support, to entertainment. And people are tired. It's It's been a long time now and they're exhausted. Um, and people are seeing more other delivery partners are seeing more kind of mental health issues that are coming up through their um, the participants and the volunteers um, obviously an increase in social, isol- and lo- social isolation and loneliness the support that you're providing to the frontline staff within your care homes to give them that respite will be a real welcome relief I would imagine and also just to build some new relationships, I think, with for the care staff and for us, I think that our focus especially has been from kind of in between at the end of year two and hopefully going into year three was about how can we how, how can we share some of our learning and share some of our like, skill um, and especially the artist skill, especially how can they share their learning over the last two years of delivering arts projects in lots of different settings how can we share that with some of the activity coordinators and care staff who are there all day every day doing their incredible job that maybe never get the chance to try something different and I think hopefully this next year will allow us to just go let's try it together like let's go in and do this together and can you deliver a session and we'll be there to support you and it's just about I guess them having the freedom to go, you know, I've got this hour with some artists to do some work and I'm just going to give it a go and see how it goes and try something different. Um, and they might not have necessarily had the chance to do that over the last year because it has been just about firefighting. It is just about keeping people alive and trying to keep that, you know, those mental well-beings in a good place. So hopefully it gives a chance of the a bit more of a chance for um, care staff and activity coordinators to do a bit of that creative exploration Mm -hmm. 
and even if it, that's just through us, that would be lovely um, too. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully that's something else we can provide. So what for Immature Company, what's the final year of the project going to look like? We're, we're coming into the, the, the final year. The project is due to end in March 2022. What will it look like? We don't know. <laughs> it's very hard to say. Um, we might know more in in a few weeks or months' time. At the moment, it's kind of we're just waiting to see when we will be able to get back in, really. And I think just start thinking about how we can be flexible because we know going back in any time before March 2022 is not going to be how it was before. Um, so it's just about thinking about how we can be adaptable and flexible and I think also we just need to do a lot of listening I think like there's there's definitely I think in the arts world a chance to get to come in with something a bit different but actually there's been some really traumatic experiences and people have lost people and people have really struggled over the last year and we we need to listen to that and then like Lauren says respond and like if that means that we try something out a bit differently or we the, the regularity of the session changes in order to respond to what people are telling us or you know their their longer sessions or they're shorter and and more frequently I think it's about just listening and going what we've got something that we can come in and share with you but what is it that you really need mm-hmm. is it that you want to just you know get people together in a space and do something creative or is it that you know actually more moments of creativity through the week might actually get people up to a place where they might feel a bit better and it's it's so hard to know because we haven't got to that listening stage yet and I think that's sort of the first port of call to go and figure out what it is that needs to happen and then like Laura says be responsive and adaptable and and just see what happens and see how our work might sit in with what's currently going on and I think in regards to dementia care mapping as well, we really hope that this next year might really tell us about what a year without creative, external creative sessions has been like. Um, and I think that's quite an interesting piece of learning for us to sort of, I guess, harness where our work is, the importance of this work. And it's it's so hard to capture it sometimes because it's just a moment in time and it's just it's just what it is and it just happens but actually going in and maybe seeing where everyone's at might tell us about yeah what the year has been like without it and what we need to do in the future in care homes um with arts and creativity and how they should sit side by side hand in hand and it should be something that's offered at all times every day and it should be embedded through the moment of getting dressed up until the moment you go to sleep. And, you know, how how do you put your pyjamas on at night? How can you do that in a fun way? And I think there's just hopefully this will tell us a bit about what that's been like having a gap in some of that, I think. I remember from the application for this kind of extension funding for the, for the extra year that you're getting with um, Immature Company, that you were looking to compare work delivered by artists in the care home with artists who would train care staff in order to deliver work within kind of artistic creative work within the care home so whether you know which approach works best having artists go in for a short amount of time or care home staff trained to 
you know, as you say, Lily, help people put their pajamas on in a fun way, you know, to bring creativity and art into everyday tasks, really. Do you think that'll be possible to look at that? Or has the pandemic stopped that too? Hopefully that is the plan. And I think it's still the plan. And I think it's, it's something that's really important to us as a project is for it to not be, and I think all arts projects have this, is to not just be three years of delivery and then and then the artists leave and what's left is actually just those memories and those experiences, but there isn't anything similar that's happening and continuing. So like year three, I think for us has always been about actually, we need to think about how this project lives on beyond this. And I think the idea of... Um, you know, kind of upskilling or even just skill sharing and just having that that moment and those time that that time to spend with care staff to share some of that and to be in exchange is is like vital for for work like this. And we expect that care staff might not be able to do it and don't have time. And actually that's just not the case. Like they are creative people that work in those care homes that are so willing and so enthusiastic about doing that, but I've never really had the chance to give it a go. And so this year I think is absolutely about, okay, we just did a session and we just played with scarves all session or we danced with scarves. Do you want to give that a go next week, or how about you do that? And we'll 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 come in and we'll just be here to support you. But give it a go and see what see what happens, see where it takes you, see what you enjoy. So I think it absolutely is about doing that. Um, and then also those care staff then become advocates for lots of other people, and they can go to other care homes and share that knowledge. And it just becomes a bit of a like a ripple effect of yeah, you've just had an experience. They've been in the sessions, they've seen what it's like, they've got the confidence and the and I guess the enthusiasm to do it. And then what happens after that? Where where does that go? And how does that live on in those care homes as well would be a really interesting thing for us to, to learn about. That really fits well with the the ethos of Time to Shine about it's a test and learn programme. It's focused on research. It's really focused on legacy and, you know, sharing the legacy of the investment that has gone in through the National Lottery Community Fund and into Leeds as a as a city but making sure that yeah as you say the money just doesn't end and we think thank you bye that's it it needs to carry on in some form um either the learning that has gone through um come through the projects or the training or the changes in the systems or procedures that organizations have um, it would be a waste, really, if, if that kind of legacy didn't continue. And that's, I suppose, one of the reasons why we at Time to Shine are focused on the test and learn approach, the sharing learning, the collaboration, the partnerships, um, because we knew it was a time-limited funding pot. Um, we're fortunate to have had this extra year uh, taking us to, to the end of March 2022 for the programme. But we always, right from the beginning, were focused on the legacy and the learning. And, you know, the, the, the team and the project in Mature Company really embodies that. And that leads us actually on, because we wanted to ask you, Lisa, about how you, from your perspective, you feel that in Mature Company sits within the wider picture for Time to Shine and how it compares with anything else that's happening in Leeds and the arts and health world. 
I'm not sure I can answer about the arts and health world. I don't have much experience of that. Um, but in terms of time to shine, I think um, Immature Company fits perfectly within the whole ethos of time to shine. Um, not not only with the Immature Company project that Yorkshire Dance run now, but also with the Younger Arts project that you ran from 2015 to 2017. Um, you've always been focused on identifying an issue that you want to explore a little bit more uh, or in in a bit more depth under you know looking kind of more widely at the sector um bringing in older people bringing in collaboration and co-production um and all those are you know key to the elements of time to shine um but also as I've touched on earlier, like in your application form way back when, um, it was about we want to learn this, we want to try this out. And you've always had a structured way of identifying an issue and then working through it uh, in order to get the learning that you that you, you can from it. And that's where dementia care mapping comes in as well. That's that, I'd never heard of that before. Um, but to be able to put that in, um, to an application to to back up the evidence of fair enough you're trying things out but you try and get out with research and um, evaluation qualitative and quantitative behind that that really makes um, a, a huge difference to the quality of the outcomes that you have for the project and for the people involved and I think also within uh, the team at Yorkshire Dance and within um, the wider immature company uh, team been really committed to this sharing learning and collaboration and working with other partners within time to shine to share your insights but also take insight from other partners as well in order to adapt the way that you work so it's i've seen um the team at yorkshire dance being a real key partner within time to shine really collaborative and uh you know a really vital part of the time to shine family <laughs> for want of a better word um but in terms of the the art sector there yeah i don't really know much about that but i can imagine it has had an impact i know that yorkshire dance over the years that time to shine has funded um the organization you had a more of a focus on older people. Um, AD was brought in as, as a lead on older people's uh, engagement. So I think as an organisation, it seems that you've kind of embraced the the ethos of collaboration with older people and, you know, see the benefits of art and activity and creative opportunities for um, older people. Thanks for that. I think it's just really nice to hear um, how this project, I guess, just sits in, I guess, the, the wider Time to Shine um, project. Because I think it, it's, it's, it feels so nice, I think, just from all the other kind of work that I've done with older people is that there's this test and learn approach just feels really like, feels quite comforting in a way. It, it allows us to be able to really actually test and actually learn things. <laughs> and I think me and Lauren only last week were, writing a bit of a case study which was about sort of we were talking about this podcast actually and we were like reflecting on this experience for us and we were just like it's been amazing to have 
to, to actually sit down and have conversations with people about our work in this really like detailed way and to, to try it out. And I guess that's all just come from um, from time to shine and asking us to sort of share that learning, to think about it and actually take time to have those reflections. And that just, it seems it doesn't happen as often, I think, in big projects because you're just always, you're out delivering and then there's this pe- like period evaluation and then that's the project. You don't get necessarily time to reflect and change and then keep going. Um, and so it just feels like it really, it's really worked, I think, for me, Lauren, as Dementia Care Mappers to have that, um, to have that test and learn to just give to give it a go, try something out, feedback and share our learning, and then go again and try something totally different. And I think it's almost like kind of accelerated our process of being of feeling confident in dementia care mapping. I feel like if we were doing this in a totally different way, we wouldn't feel as good about our skill in dementia care mapping as we have done because we've just been able to try out so many different things and we feel like we're fi- well I, I can speak for me but I'm sure Lauren agrees yeah. but I feel like we're finally at that point where we're like we know what how to dementia care map in a care home where we're going to get the best results because we've tried loads of different ways to do it and we figured out that actually all of these and you know we've written recommendations in our report which we're always willing to share about how what we have tried and what worked and what didn't and now we feel like, yeah, great, we can go in, we can try out these things. And now we can focus our energy on not about how we plan the dementia care mapping, but actually what's happening and what we're seeing and then how we're evaluating it. So it just has given us the space to do that. And I think that in the long run will give hopefully better results and better knowledge and understanding of the work. And yeah, it all kind of interlinks in itself, doesn't it, really? So. <laughs> Test and learn has been fantastic uh, within the Time to Shine programme and it's only been possible because the National Lottery Community Fund through the Ageing Better programme told us, as Leeds Older People's Forum leading this the Time to Shine programme, told us that that's what they wanted. We as a, as a programme couldn't have just said we're going to do te- test and learn without the backing of the funder. So we're, as a programme we're so grateful that that was the message that we got and likewise once we had that message that test and learn was the you know the way to go we were then able to embed that within all our delivery partners across the board so it it took a a little bit of time to be honest in the early stages for people to believe that as a funder we were interested in test and learn Um, and in terms of you know, we, we placed a bit more emphasis on the journey that delivery partners were taking towards the goals um, and about them sharing their learning that they've gathered through survey design and delivery uh, and a little bit less on achieving the targets and outcomes that were specified in the initial funding application, which is quite something to get your head around, really, <laughs> when usually you're working within a, a, an environment that if somebody gives you money to do something and you say you'll do X, Y, and Z, you better you better do X, Y, and Z or else your money will be taken off you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that for us, certainly in the early stages of Time to Shine, um, it took a little bit of convincing <laughs> for our delivery partners. But once, once partners could see that as a programme, Time to Shine was really committed to to, um, this test and learn approach and the sharing learning. 
then that, again, as you say, Lily, it gives you the confidence to really try things out and not worry that it might not work. It might not get the results you want, but that's okay as long as you tell us why you share that learning and then you try something different. So, uh, yeah, for me, I'm really pleased to hear that the test and learn approach worked really well for your project because I know from the program team that 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 test and learn approach has worked really well for our whole program. We wouldn't have got what we've got had we not kind of pushed that right from the outset. It's really exciting. And I guess also we'll just have to see the learning that will come up in the next year and all the things we can test and try out and hopefully just continue on that you know that path of learning and discovery and sharing and what you know and and also just to do that alongside other delivery partners too is really exciting to see what they get up to and just to share that I think it's it's a really nice community of people that are doing really amazing work in Leeds I think we're really lucky as a city about what um what people do what what's on offer and how people share um and I think yeah so hopefully the next year will be the same if not more so um more learning and yeah it's just a really exciting point to be at I think absolutely so I think that that probably covers it I think that's yeah that's great and I mean thank you Lisa for just coming in and you know asking us some questions I know it's quite a weird thing to do virtually in your own home (laughs) record a podcast um but we're really grateful and it's just really it's just really great to be able to talk to someone who understands I guess the wider world and it also knows the project and the journey it's been on and it's really it's been really nice for us to talk about it with you and and to look back over those two years and you know pull out some of that key learning and then about what's next as well thank you for having me So we're now in the fourth year of the project, but at time of recording this episode, we've not yet started our third phase of care home delivery. So if you want to keep an eye on where we're up to with that, you can go to the Yorkshire Dance website, which is just yorkshiredance.com or any of our social media channels, or you can take a look at the Time to Shine website, which is timetoshineleads.org. Thank you to our funders, all of the guests across the episodes and the wonderful care teams and residents at all of our partner care homes. We can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.